Hello and welcome to the latest Baggies broadcast sponsored by Adoption at Heart. It's season 5, episode 17. Um, and some of you Baggies fans may be thinking, who on earth is that? I've never heard that voice before. Uh, my name's Johnny Dreary. I'm the new digital um, sports journalist at the Express and Start, the new partner in crime of, of Joe Massey. A, a new era today, Joe. A new era, a massive upgrade. Um, absolutely delighted to have you, Johnny. Um, I've got no doubt about it. Luke Hatfield will be our first listener because um, he's just like that. I mean, he's just he, he loves it. He's not going to be able to give it up. But, mate, yeah, episode one, delighted to have you. We've had a few technical issues, haven't we, mate? We have. We've had, yeah, a fair few technical issues, to be honest. It was, uh, at one point, it was going to have to be a, a Baggies broadcast solo, I think, at one point. But, uh, yeah, we, <laughs> we got there minutes late, the well, we got, well, we got the link <laughs> set up. But we're here, mate, we're here. Our hiccups are out of the way. Our hiccups are out of the way. We're all good. Away. Be stri- straight and narrow from uh, from here on in. Well, we've got a, an, a jam-packed... Uh, baggies broadcast for you uh, you baggies fans today um, we've got the festive period coming up which is always a, uh, a very very busy period um, it's going to be no different for the Albion this year um, so we'll be looking ahead to some of them games looking back at Barnsley although I know some baggies fans um, certainly some baggies players probably the strikers won't want to look back at the uh, the Barnsley game um, and then we'll be looking at that uh, um, out of the blue visit from uh, from the majority shareholder as Albion called him Gochen Lai who, came, who flew in uh, last week, um, quarantined for, for quite a while, as we'll talk about um, later on. Um, and look towards uh, the January transfer window. We're going to insert a little new um, new piece into the podcast for the next few weeks of transfer talk, just because that's all anything, anyone will talk about over the, the coming weeks. Um, so, yeah, move it, moving forward, just just before we uh, we get to the sort of first section, I know you were... Uh, we're buzzing to see Mr. Hatfield in his uh, in his Albion attire at Barnsley on uh, on Friday. Joe, did it did it disappoint? Well, it didn't disappoint. I'm guessing, judging from your photo on Twitter, anyway, you look very pleased. This is the new banter section. Um, I've got to say before we because uh, we look, it's so easy to rip Luke Hatfield apart, but I might as well start by ripping you apart because you're my new partner in crime. So <laughs> I can rip both of you apart. I can rip both of you apart at the same time. That's really enjoyable crack on, for me. Crack on. So unbelievably. At 11 o'clock this morning, you sent me an incredible itinerary for this podcast. Incredible. I mean, you've basically broke it down minute by minute, topics to talk about, so much depth, so much research, mate. I was really, really impressed. I mean, I just never got that from Luke Hatfield at all, ever. Got absolutely no planning whatsoever. Um, so you're already one, well, massive tick in your book there. I like this section you sent me. Bit of banter, brackets, not calling it the banter section. I know your views. <laughs> the problem you've got there is, mate, you've already called it the banter section. You've literally put a bit of banter. Ridiculous. Just a, just a new name, you know, just retitle it. <laughs> oh, mate, so imaginative. But we did see Luke Hatfield at... Um, at oh, his little face. He looks so happy. Oh, all the, I mean, you weren't there, mate, but... Wow, the media lads in the Albion team were mega protective of him. It was ridiculous, mate. I was going in, wanting to rip Layers him apart. of security. Layers oh, of security mate. to get past. Andy Johnson, Jez Mulholland, all the lads of Sean Watts. They were all the crowding around him, saying he was one of the family, all this and the other. It was absolutely ridiculous. But didn't he look happy, mate? You saw the picture. He did. He did. He looked like he was wearing a Arsene Wenger-type, big, long Albion coat. That's right. He had his, I think he's been eyeing up one of them for a long time. Yeah. Had his trackies on as well. I didn't get the picture. I should have got a full shot, really. Full length. Uh, Full-length enjoyment um, yeah. of Luke Hatfield's style, but I didn't quite make it, unfortunately. Yeah. But, oh, mate, I've got to tell you this. and we'll, we, we will move on from Luke Hatfield eventually. I mean, it is sad, but we will. we're going to have to move on from you, Luke. We are going to have to move on. Um, but, so he's still got 
is Blue Tick on Twitter, right? He hasn't changed his hand, his name, right? So bless him. He's gone the whole hog. We all know he's been on a journey. We all know he's an Albion fan now. He's done the right thing. So he's, he's, he's taken out that he's a Villa fan on his profile. First step, good, good move. He also has pictures of Villa fans at the top, so he's taken them out as well. Now... This is what he genuinely said to me with a straight face. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't take the mick out of him at Barnsley because one, basically Andy Johnson was there acting like his bouncer. It was like absolutely, it was like <laughs> I couldn't, I didn't dare risk it. And two, he genuinely said this so seriously that I didn't feel like I could, I could take the mick out of him. But this is, I thought I'd save it for the potty because this is what he said. So the reason we all know what a big deal Luke Hatfield made of getting his blue tick. I mean, it was basically like the birth of his first child. He was so proud of it. And he said to me, the reason why he hasn't, even though he's changed everything else on his net, on his profile, the reason why he hasn't changed his name is because he, he, he's waiting for a suitable name to come up. That is exactly what he said to me. He basically went on Twitter, said he couldn't find a name he liked, but now he's waiting for a suitable name to come up, which is the absolute, I mean, it's absolute BS, isn't it? Sounds like he's clawing onto that blue tick with, uh, with all that he's worth. When does he think Twitter are going to, like, unveil a whole new batch of Luke, Luke Hatfield? It's just not going to happen. I mean, he's talking absolute nonsense. Um, so, basically, in absolute desperate measures, Luke Hatfield has clung onto his blue tick. He is still at Luke Hatfield underscore star, even though he no longer works for Express and Star or Shropshire Star. Yeah, it's tragic, mate. It's tragic. But he was very, very happy. He was a very, very happy man. Good I'm to hear. Him. Good, good to hear. We'll uh, we'll have a little uh, drop in every month or so. See if he's uh, still kept hold of the blue tick. Um, see, uh, yeah, see if any new watch. any uh, at Hatfields have uh, have come up on uh, on social media. And you know, with this, uh, I've just got down in front of me now. It was a little idea that I had last week. You know, we've got a man on the inside now. So if we ever want any any uh, second hand Albion gear to walk around looking uh, the bee's knees, then. We'll have to give uh, give old Hatfield a call. I'm sure a few of them will uh, provide some stocking fillers for my family in years to come anyway. I've already asked him for a Valerian Ishmael-style gilet. I really want one of them. I'm expecting him to pinch one of them very soon. Yeah, yeah. just see you strutting into the press, go- press box looking like, a, looking like Big Val. But yeah, that's uh, sort of looking... Well, brings us nicely on to, to looking back to, to Barnsley, really. Obviously, Barnsley in the fog on Friday night, Joe. Could you, uh, c- could you see the players just as... As badly as we could see them on the TV. Um, I, well, yeah. I mean, luckily I was there. I was one of. The, I mean, it was a oh, strange, 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 strange like um, ground. Um, well, but not the ground per se, because it is actually it's a strange ground. Do you know what? On the way in to Barnsley, I've never noticed this before. On the walls, so people can't climb in. Joe Chapman pointed this out to me from the Birmingham Mail. They've literally broken. They've got broken glass. A, a light lining, literally lining the walls into the stadium. So, like, instead of like, it's literally their version of barbed wire, so people can't climb in. But it's actual broken glass. I mean, it looks horrific, absolutely horrific. I've never seen anything like it. Um, but yeah, odd, odd. It was just weird. There's no one in the, our stand that we were in was closed. So there's no fans in it. Bear in mind, there was no fans in our stand. The rest of the ground was completely empty. It was basically just Albion's away contingent making any noise. Um, really, really strange. Um, mate, I've got so much to say about this game. 
Um, you're just going to have to let me ramble on, all right? We'll, uh, we will let you ramble on. Just on the on the glass thing, uh, you know, no offence to Barnsley or Oakwell. I don't think people are clamouring to get in. Maybe they're trying to stop the fans from getting out. Uh, <laughs> Maybe that's what it is, mate. Don't, I don't I know. Think... Yeah, like a prison wall. <laughs> well, mate, to be honest, I need to keep them in there after the attendance for that game. <laughs> There's literally behind, nobody there. Behind closed doors games have, uh, have come early, but we'll, uh, we'll move swiftly on. I know you've got loads to talk about. So, mate, I just want to say, like, I can't believe, you can see what you, like, get your opinions afterwards, like, but I can't believe the social media reaction to that game, right? I just cannot believe the criticism of the team, and I can't believe the criticism of Valerian Ishmael. Albion yeah. played really, really well at Oakwell. They created absolutely bundles of chances. I mean, I mean bundles of chances. They had three efforts cleared off the line. They've missed numerous other opportunities, and... I can't for the life of me see, really, how people are setting up, are criticising Ishmael for that. He, it's, a, it's, a, it's a boring cliche, isn't it, like in football? But once those players cross the line, there is, there is literally nothing else he can do, really, in terms of he can't put the ball in the net for them. All right, you can make tactical tweaks. All right, you can make substitutions. All right, you can question his starting lineup, which I think we'll get into. But... What Ishmael, basically, his job is to do is to send out the team that's set up in a way where not only do they create more chances than the opposition, they also concede like, like less... They, don't, they basically create chances and don't concede chances. Albion did that perfectly. I think Barnsley's XG from that game was 0.09. They had one shot on target, which came from a free kick from 30 yards, which Sam Johnston just tipped over the bar. It would never beat Sam Johnson in a million years. If that guy takes that free kick a hundred times against Sam Johnson, he doesn't score it once. Like, it was just not... They absolutely dominated the game. They completely controlled the game. Um, and to say otherwise is just wrong. Like, they absolutely battered them. And you just can't legislate for... Ishmael cannot legislate for the chances Albion missed in that game. It's, it's, look, it's, without doubt, it's a repeated theme. Of course, it's a repeated theme. We've seen it too many times this season. But he came out post-match and said exactly that. Ishmael, in, by and large, is a manager that keeps his cards close to his chest. He doesn't like saying too much to the media. He's quite... He's very like, good with us in terms of, like, he answers every single question. He would never... He doesn't get angry at questions, really. We can ask him basically anything and he'll give you an answer. But he always kind of knows what he wants to stay, and he's quite repetitive in what he says as well. But after that game, he came out and he said, we need to buy a striker. Like, we need to buy a striker. And that was all that was missing in that game. If, if our, How Jordan Hugel doesn't score is beyond me. And look, we, we, Jordan Hugel comes in for so much criticism, so much criticism, but how he doesn't score is beyond me. There was so many other opportunities in the game. If one of those just off the line just goes in, you just can't... I can't remember what the game was now before um, before Barnsley. What was it? 1-0 Reading. 1-0 Reading. Really, so very, very similar. Yeah. And everyone was raving about the Reading performance. There's no difference. There's no difference between the Reading performance and the Barnsley performance. There's, I mean, obviously, the, there's a big difference in terms of personnel because obviously it was the COVID game. But Albion played with just as much control against Reading as they did with Barnsley. But if Albion play like that the vast majority of weeks, they will win games they play. And look, they are crying out for a centre-forward. Ishmael has been asked so many times about transfers in January, and he's always said, look, we, we want to make additions. We're looking at... We've, we've got our plan together. We know what we want to do. But he's never specifically said, 
what he wants to do. And immediately after that game, he said, we need a striker. Not only did he say we need a striker, he basically said Callum Robinson and Carlin Grant are the only players who score for them. He said, we've got Carlin Grant, we've got Callum Robinson, and that's it, basically, is what he said. Matt Phillips has got three goals this season. Hugo's obviously got one. Dean Garner's got one. But he made it abundantly clear where, where what the situation was. And and that is a situ- that is a situation that he could not have done more from that game. Could he have played Jason Malumbi instead of Jake Livermore? Yes. Could he have played Taylor Garner, Hickman, Sir Darnell Furlong? Yes. Would I have done those things? Yes, probably I would have. But there's no guarantees Albion would have created more chances or taken one. I think they played... They played. They should have won that game three 0 They really should have. And I just, I just think it's. I think if people can't see that, if people can't see that the overall performance was good, I just, I just, I just, I don't know. I don't know what to say about it. Really, I think the criticism, has, criticism has been really, really harsh. Seems like you're at the end of your tether with the Val criticism there, Joe. I'm I am in understand. that. In that in that game, I am because look, I think there was games this season where we didn't create a lot. I've got to be honest. Like there've been games when I can't remember. It's like Preston North End away was one of them. I think Derby at home in the second half we created a lot of chances, but it was the game sandwiched in between either side that Derby game. There's Millwall at home um, where we really didn't create a lot, and then what was the game after Millwall at home? Bear with me one second. Oh, it's Preston. I was Preston. It was Millwall Derby and Preston. I don't think we created a lot in those games. I don't think we created a lot against Blues at home in that game. I don't think we created a lot against Hull at home in that game. We just sort of scraped by in some of them. And I think in those games we didn't like we didn't create a lot. That's that's the true fit. But against against Barnsley we did. Like we did against Reading we did. We created a lot of chances. We should be scoring two or three goals easily in those games. And, and that is down to personnel. This is why you hear people say in football all the time, recruitment is so important. Because you've got to get the, you've got to get the people who can do the job. And at the moment, Albion's, Albion need a central striker that's um, going to start scoring. I think they're four points behind Fulham, who have got 22 goals, Alexander Mitrovic. They are two points behind Bournemouth, who have got 17 goals, Dominic Solanke. Our central striker this season, by and large, has been Jordan Hugel or Callum Robinson or Matt Phillips. Well, they've got, Hugel's got one, Phillips has got three, Robinson's got four, but three of Robinson's four came in the first month. I just think Albion are onto something here. Ishmael is onto something here. They, they, they don't concede chances. They just need a clinical striker. Um, and look, as we record this, it's the 22nd of December. January window's just around the corner. They will get somebody. Um, and I think it's going to make a massive difference. Yeah, and I think you're, you're absolutely right. And, you know, on the, the Twitter reaction, you know, I didn't start my new role until Monday, but as some of you might have seen, I've been sort of tweeting Albion stuff for the last week. I put a tweet out after the Albion game just saying, you know, abundantly clear we need to... Everything you've just said there, and I was getting pelters from certain sections of supporters. I almost tweeted out saying... Steady on, lads. I haven't even started yet. <laughs> but then there was the, you know, caveated with 50% going, you know, we agree with you. We need we need a striker. And I think, you know, you said at the top of the Barnsley conversation, I could, I could talk about this all day. I think it's, it is very simple. Albion just need a striker. They just need a centre-forward. Because if they add 22-goal Mitrovic, I think they would have a healthy lead at the top of the table. I, I really do believe that. And I think what's exciting for me sat here today is... Everyone can see how this Albion team can improve. We have got levels to go to. 
if I, rec- I, rec- I don't think we've got out of third gear, really. I, re- I really, really don't. And Bournemouth and Fulham are ahead of us with those strikers. Like, imagine, like, that's, I personally think they've hit their level. We know what we're going to get from Fulham and Bournemouth this season. We have got, we are a player away, maybe two players away from, I personally think, being transformed. We can, we can get so much better. And I think that's a positive. And we can get, not only can we get so much better, we are within striking distance of them. We're so close. Um, so I just don't understand. I just don't understand the massive doom and gloom. I don't understand the, the, the criticism of Valve for that for the, for the Barnsley game in particular. I just, um, I think we played very, very well for three games now. Coventry away, Redden at home, Barnsley away. And we should have nine points from them. We really, really should. Um, you know, absolutely. And hopefully in our transfer talk section, Joe, you're going to bring the Albion fans some good news or some some positive news on the on the transfer front. But just staying with uh, with Barnsley, you know, obviously the negative is not scoring. Is the other negative the fact that the two sides above us going into the weekend both lost? You know, Albion could have been on the cusp of, of that top two if, the, if they'd have picked up all three at Barnsley. So it seems like, you know, some people saying... A positive that they lost, but a negative that Albion didn't didn't take advantage. Yeah, and I understand that. But when they, it's weird because when they did drop points, um, I wasn't. I, I was pleased, but I was. I was. It was. It did feel like a missed opportunity, um, because, like you said, win at Barnsley, and we're, we are literally our level on points of Bournemouth, and two points behind Fulham. I just think it. Look, I think it's. The the best the best news is they did drop points. We all dropped points basically, didn't we? We all dropped points in the last round of games. Um, actually, we actually gained one on them, as things turned out. But look, I think we've said a million times in this podcast, Bournemouth. The data suggests they're going to wobble. They have wobbled. They started unbelievably. Now, I mean, they hadn't lost after 16, 17, 18 games. I don't know what it was. They've now lost four. Um, so they're wobbling. Fulham. Jory's out still on Marco Silva as a manager. Over-reliance on Mitrovic. Both Bournemouth and Fulham are catchable. Um, can we do it with, with the current squad we've got? Don't know. Honestly, don't know. Um, but if we get some, if we get a top striker in January, of course, we, I, I'd, I'd back us. Because defensively, we're better than them. Personally, I think we're more organised with them. We know what we want to do. I just think we're in a good good place. Look, we're actually fourth as it stands, which obviously isn't good enough, really, overall. Um, but it's Blackburn, the team in third. Ben Brierton Diaz, I think he's got 19 goals this season. Like, it is literally the number nine that's causing... Making all the difference. It's making all the difference. Um, we've got a few more games to go. We've got to, we've got to get past Derby. Um and it's QPR, I think. Look, luckily, look, we really want a striker in for that QPR game. Um, but oh, we've got Preston as well, haven't we? Oh, hang on. No, I'm way off there. Preston, Cardiff, Preston, sorry. Cardiff. Um, <clears throat> really want a striker in for that Cardiff game. But even if we don't get one in for that, you've then got sort of 15 days because the next game's the FA Cup. And let's be honest, we ain't going to win the FA Cup, so it really doesn't matter what round we go out in. Yeah. And if Val treats the FA Cup like he tra- treated the League Cup, then it's probably going to be a, a an afterthought, probably, isn't it? So you know you're going to be concentrating on that league, um, them league fixtures to get a a prolific number nine in. 
Absolutely, mate, yeah. So, three games, we've got to get through them, I think. It'd be nice to have a strike win for Cardiff, but I think it's a big ask. But we've got to have one in for QPR on the 15th of Jan. So that's a 10-minute conversation about Barnsley, but in a nutshell, if you want to fast-forward, we need a striker. We need a striker. That's all you need to know, mate. We need a striker. All you need to know. And we're we're playing well, and like people need to give Val a bit more credit for how we're organised. Because we are damn organised. Absolutely. And just probably one more... You know, you touched on it earlier on the selection. Um, Garden Hickman left out after you know probably being Albi- arguably Albion's best performer in the last few games. Um, he was left out. You know, that's what fans had a bit of a gripe about alongside you know other opinions. What what was your opinion on that? You know, I saw it. I, w- I wasn't overly surprised by it going into the Christmas period, but on form, you know, you could say you know he, he should have started really. So, look, if it was me. And I was picking the team for Barnsley. I would have probably would have made two changes, and I would have gone Taylor Gunn Hickman at right wing back, and I would have brought in Jason Malumbi for Jake Livermore in central midfield. And that is me saying that as a massive Jake Livermore fan, like I've always harp on about how much I like him as a player in person. But there's something about Malumbi and Taylor Gunn Hickman, and I've said it. We might have said it last week. They, I think they're, I think they're ridiculously similar players, um, even though they play in different positions. Um, Technically, as in Garnet Hickman is a right wing back. I know he had that game at Coventry in midfield. But I just think, and it's a bit of a weak word. I wish I had a better word to describe them both. But it's just positive. They're just overwhelmingly positive, on both on in possession and with with their runs. They just they just drive forward all the time. And <clears throat> I like it. I like it in both of them. I think it's such a good quality to have. Malumbi always seems to get higher up the pitch than Livermore. Not always, because we've scored some goals this season where Livermore's really won the ball high and pressed high and stuff. And but yeah, I just like the look. Of, I just like the look of Malumbi at the minute. And I like the look of Taylor Gala Hitman. I w- I would have picked them if I'm honest. Daniel Furlong, I thought played really well at Coventry. He started. He started the season well, very very well. I mean, at one at one stage, it felt like all our goals were basically coming via Darnell Furlong. Um, obviously, he's got the long throw, which is a, a big weapon for us. But <clears throat> I think he's had a sticky path. I just think he, his, his form hasn't been what it was at the start of the season. I did think he played well at Coventry, um, but I think Taylor Garland Hickman personally has done enough to retain a place on the side. So I would have gone with him at right wing back. I would have gone with Malumbi in midfield. Um, I might have kept, I probably would have kept Livermore in the back three, to be honest. Um, but he was, he was impressive against Reading, wasn't he? Even though we had, you know, players coming back, he he, he did well against Reading, although Reading were particularly weak up front. But I don't, I, I think with Taylor Gardner-Hickman and with Jason Malumbi in the, in the team, I just think we would have battered Barnsley in the way we did. It, we, we still needed someone in the final third to put the ball in the back of the net. Um, and it just didn't it didn't happen for us, um, and, it, and it hasn't happened on too many occasions really. Yeah. Um, but look, I like them both. I'd have picked them. Val wanted to stay tri- like loyal to the players who, over the course of the season, have done well for him. I think that's admirable in a manager as well. Um, that's his logic for it. <clears throat> um, it's his his decisions at the end of the day. But yeah, I can like un- I, that. I can understand. Um, I can understand that that being debated and that being questioned, those team selections. But I, I, I truly don't think it would have made a massive difference to the overall performance. I think Albion battered Barnsley. I think they would have battered them with those two players as well. But at the end of the day, someone had to put the ball in the net and no one did. 
Yeah, well, hopefully that'll uh, that'll be changing in the next few weeks. So we'll put Barnsley to bed, nil nil. Hopefully, looking back in May, it'll be a good point. Doesn't seem like that way at the moment. But we'll move on to uh, to the shock news of uh, of last week. Uh, Gochen Lai has been non-existent for three years. Um, he's been, you know, only this season. It's probably turned with the fans a bit of chanting. I think it was at Blackpool. Um, the fans were particularly unhappy with the with the um, the Albion chairman. Um, but out of the blue. He rocked up at the training ground last week. Um, when, when did you find out about this, Joe? Was it at the same time as we all did on on social media, or, or, or did you know he was uh, he was on the arrival? Um, it was a couple. I found out a couple of hours before um, that he was making a shock appearance. And look, it, I mean, look, it really was a shock. Um, it, I mean, incredible, really. So the last time he was seen was at a Brentford game three years ago. Um, and look, it's really, it's really, really interesting. It's really, really. I mean, look, it, it, it really was a shock. It really, really was a shock. First and foremost, I didn't see it coming at all. Um, <clears throat> and what do we know from it? And we, we don't know a great, a, a great deal really, other than that. My understanding is this is basically part of Lie trying to reintegrate himself back into the club. Um, now it is odd because he came. It was a flying visit. It was a flying visit from China in a pandemic. So what we have had confirmed is the extraordinary lengths he had to go to, to, to make this visit. So, and it, and it is extraordinary people. I think people have been taking the mick out of me for saying it's extraordinary, but I think it's extraordinary. I wouldn't want to be sat on my own in a room for as long as it seemed that lie had to. So yeah, I'm, a, I'm in your corner for this one. And like, he didn't have to come in the sense that literally nobody was expecting him. So if, if Gouch and I hadn't come last week, no one would be, we wouldn't be talking about it now. We wouldn't be saying, come on, Gouchin, like, hurry up. Like, it was, it was genuinely like, we just don't expect him to turn up now. So the fact he did go to those lengths, which were quarantined for 10 days in England, I think it's, I can't remember what's off my head, it's 14 days when he gets back to China in, in a quarantine hotel, then it's seven days in his house where he's not allowed out, and it's seven days in his house where he is allowed out, but <clears throat> he has to post daily uh, COVID tests. So it's 38 days, basically. Um in total that he'll be under some sort of quarantine for because of this visit. So we know he went to the training ground. We know he, he met Valerian Ishmael for the first time in person. Um, we know he spoke about the January transfer window. We know he spoke about the academy. And that, that we know he spoke about the long-term plan Ishmael is trying to implement at the club. And then I know that he went to the Hawthorns and he sort of met with other senior members of staff. He had lunch at the club. And then sort of from that point, I don't really know what happened after that. I don't know how long he stayed in England for. I don't know when he went back to China. I don't know if he's, if he, if he's in China now. I don't know any of those details. All I know is he did not attend the Barnsley game, um, which is odd, really. Like, it's, that's an, it is odd. Like, he's made this massive was, effort to come. If he was here, yeah, he, he, he would have... Uh... Might, you think he would have gone to Barnsley, really? He would have, he would have boosted the Oakwell attendance anyway, wouldn't he? Uh, he, he would have, there? mate. Yeah. And, and one extra person would have made a big difference, to be honest. <laughs> like, especially if he was loud, like it would have made. <laughs> so, look, it does raise it does raise a lot more questions. First and foremost, what I mean, he's gone to. It seems like he's gone to an awful lot of effort for 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 a very brief trip. It is strange he didn't go to he didn't go to the Barnsley game. Um. There's been some sorts of suggestions. I think he's he was here in England for other purposes in terms of other business meetings or whatever, and so he used the opportunity to come to Albion as well. But we don't know that. All we know is that he 
he came to Albion. He's gone to an incredible lengths to get into the country. And what with what the understanding is that he's started the process to reintegrate himself back in the club. Now, as absent as Gauch and Lai has been for the past three years, we've got to make two points on his absence. First of all, the first thing is look the first the first year of the three years he was away. Let's make, let's make it abundantly clear. There's no excuse for that. There's absolutely no excuse for Lai not to not to step foot onto Albion in the Hawthorns, at the training ground, whatever, for a year. It's inexcusable. He's the owner. It's just poor. It's just poor. After that, you have to remember there has been COVID. So he's gone to these extraordinary lengths this time around, extreme lengths, I'd say, this time around. But <clears throat> it is. It, it has been difficult to travel over the last two years. Let's not... We can't, we can't say it has been easy to get from between China and England. So you wonder, has that played a part in it? Also, in terms of what we know about Lai, is that he did veto the, the Chris Wilder appointment in the summer. So, so while he has been absent, he has made big decisions at times. He also was the man that appointed Darren Moore as manager on a permanent basis. We know that sort of Mark Jenkins, other other, <clears throat> other members of the Albion hierarchy, wanted <clears throat> Dean Smith, who was in charge of Brentford at the time. It was Lai that appointed Moore. It was Lai that vetoed Wilder. So. Don't get me wrong, like he's not been hands-on at Albion at all. He's not been working day-to-day on, on West Brom over the last <clears throat> three years or whatever. But at certain moments, he has stepped into the fold, <clears throat> which again is interesting. Um, so our understanding is, yeah, it's basically he has had, I don't know if he's having, it's not an epiphany, but it's, it's a, basically an acceptance um, that he and his partners and however the Albion, however he has become the controlling shareholder of West Brom, the people who have put money into the club realise there is there is absolutely no chance of them getting it back anytime soon um, because the club is just worth nowhere near what they were willing, what they bought it for. And he believes, apparently, that by being more hands-on, and let's be honest, it's not hard to be more hands-on, he literally did next to nothing, um, by being more hands-on and by reintegrating himself into the club, Albion will have a better chance of reaching the Premier League. Yeah. And that, um, that, that it's does interesting. Seem, does, it does seem to be the case. If you're listening, Mr. Lai, which you're probably not, welcome back to uh, welcome back to Albion. Um, but I just say, though, one more thing. Like Fans still have every right to be suspicious. Let's not like throw out yeah. the red carpet and just let's go, oh, brilliant. Like, Look, he was away for a very long time. He bought the club massively over odds. There's still, we still don't really understand Gauch and Lai's wealth. We still don't understand exactly how he came about purchasing the club, who he bought it with, his businesses in China. There's still an awful lot of questions to be asked about Gauch and Lai. Um, and his absence has just created confusion, scepticism, anger. It's just, it really has. So we're not saying, hey, this is brilliant. Like we're gonna, like if we don't, we're not saying that at all. We're just saying that. We just let's just play this by the facts. If anyone watches the brilliant Ross Aitkins on BBC do his like <laughs> videos, the facts are he was away for three years. The facts are he has come back. The facts are that apparently he's come back because he wants to reintegrate himself into the club because he believes that gives Albion a better chance of reaching the Premier League. Let's just see what happens now. Yeah. We're right to be sceptical, we're right to be suspicious, we're right to be intrigued by what happens now. But I think I think it is good that he's back and he's done this it's, and he's shown publicly, at least, that he does care. Um, but but we just have to judge this over time. It's, it, the proof's in the pudding at the end of the day. Yeah, 
course it is. I didn't think um, midway through this podcast we would be comparing Ros Aitkins's Boris Johnson Downing Street parties to uh, yourself talking about the West Brom. Uh... No, that's a bit of a big comparison. <laughs> that is, you're right. I'm not comparing myself and Ros Aitkins anyway. He is amazing. He is amazing. <laughs> Just on that on that topic, you mentioned there. So I noticed some Albion fans picked up on it. A lot of Lai's tenure has been referred to as the owner, the chairman, but he was referred to quite specifically last week as the majority shareholder. Can, can you know, like you said, we got to look at the facts. Beyond that, we can only speculate with opinions. But can we look into any? Is is that anything to look into, or is that just his formal title that he's never been referred to by before? I, I'm not sure. Yeah, so it's it's complex in the way that Lai bought the club. That's the issue. So in one way, he is the owner, and the other way. It, they, they refer to him as the controlling shareholder. So what we understand is they were partners with Gouch and Lai, and it's his firm that owns WBA Holdings. It's all quite complex. Don't want to go into it, but he is the owner. He is the owner. It's very, very, very like semantics of words. This is. It's very, very. He is the owner. He is the owner. He's also. He is the controlling shareholder. What anyone wants to call it, you're right. If you call him the owner, you're right. If you call him the controlling shareholder, you're right. Don't I don't I really don't think people need to get bogged down in that too much. If if you're listening to this and you want Albion to have a new owner, if you want Gouch and Lai to sell the club, well, if, sorry, if you want Albion to have a new owner, Gouch and Lai is the man you need to sell the club. That's all you need to know. So if you don't want to, if that makes you if you don't want to call him owner, then fair enough. But to get a new owner, Lai needs to sell. If it's just. People are getting bogged down in things that don't need yeah. to get bogged down in this. It's, it, he is the owner. He is the controlling shareholder. Don't worry about it too much. If you want a new owner, if I if I if I win the Euro Millions tomorrow, and I get two hundred million pounds in my bank, I need to, I want to sell Albion. I've got to ring out and lie and say, I'm your buyer, mate. I genuinely thought you were <clears> going to say if you win the Euro Millions tomorrow, you are going to buy Albion, and we were going to have to hold you to that. I would I'm, buy it, I'm, mate. I'm quite. I'm. You would buy it. Well, if I won 250 million, I'd buy it. <laughs> bit of a change in, uh, in sums there. <laughs> yeah. Bit of a change in figures. There you go. You've heard it. Joe Mass is going to be the new controlling shareholder of West Brom if he wins the Euro Millions this weekend. Yeah, first job, sack Luke Hatfield. <laughs> <laughs> Thinking of adoption? We have all the information you need at Adoption at Heart, your regional adoption agency for the Black Country. Adoption at Heart provides adoption services for City of Wolverhampton Council, Walsall Council, Dudley Metropolitan Borough Council and Sanwell Children's Trust and is encouraging those who are considering adoption to come forward and take the next step. The Black Country Agency is appealing for adopters who can give our children lots of individual time, understanding and ongoing support, and are looking to recruit adopters from within a diverse section of the community, irrespective of gender, sexual orientation, disability, race or faith. To start your adoption journey, or to find out more, why not book onto the next virtual information event? Visit adoptionatheart.org.uk to see the next available dates and to book your place. Or, alternatively, you can call 01902 553818. Being an adoptive parent can be challenging, but it also brings great rewards. If you're interested in finding out more, please contact Adoption at Heart today by visiting adoptionatheart.org.uk. Uh, just uh, just on that topic, just it's probably one more or a couple of points before we uh, we move on to sort of transfer talk. Uh, it probably ties in quite well, you know. What, uh, as you said there, we beyond the facts, we can only talk about opinions. But you know, a lot of fans now saying, and a lot of questions that will be coming up for yourself later, which this will probably cover a lot of that. You know, can anyone read into anything into it? Obviously, you've said now he knows that he's got to invest to get his money back. Is that is his 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 visit to Albion last week? Is that a good sign for for January? 
I don't know how much it will affect the January budget. I don't. I don't know. Is the God's honest truth? Like you'd have to. Ishmael has made it clear that for a number of weeks now he's been working. He sort of knows what his budget is. He knows what he can do. It's just about getting it done, um, negotiating for the players they want and stuff. So it doesn't feel like there's been a dramatic shift. It doesn't feel like Lai has come arrived and said, "Here's, go on, here's an extra ten million to have on in January." But those conversations were private at the end of the day. Let's just—I think we just have to see what happens. All we know is there is an air of, but there has been before Lai's visit. There's been an air of confidence around Ishmael um, that he is going to get at least one addition that he really wants in January um, he seems quite confident about it so let's see let's see what happens let's see what let's see what happens indeed so we'll move on to that moves us on nicely really to, to the section transfer talk you know we'll be bringing this um, as a regular feature over the next five six weeks hopefully with plenty of uh, plenty of sort of good rumours and good signings coming in um, but the, as we said as we spent 20 minutes talking about it, the main one is a striker we know we know Albion want Daryl DK we've talked about that for, for quite a while now story from yourself um, earlier in the week Joe uh, Marcus Force at, um, at Brentford and, and Corley Woodrow another um, former Ishmael uh, striker at, at Barnsley uh, two players that have appeared from the, the woodwork as you see when these things happen transfer rumour websites are all over it one saying Albion in advance talk to Woodrow, probably not the case. But but what you know, what's your opinion on, on those ones? Seems like there are more options now coming out the woodwork than just sort of all eggs in one basket on the, on Daryl DK. Yeah, well, you're right. I did write that story, but I have to say there wasn't there weren't my stories. I just put them together because obviously the names that are out there. And I think Corley Woodrow was first revealed by the Athletic. Um, Fours was by someone else I can't remember. Um, but I think that. Obviously, these names are out there, and, and the point is that <clears throat> there obviously there is a shortlist. Look, I've said for a, a long time. I think the man Ishmael wants is Daryl DK. We've said it for months and months and months. Um, and why wouldn't you want him? Like I was, I was speaking to the Barnsley reporter, and he was just saying he's absolutely unbelievable. Um, he's just absolutely, and he said he just at that level, he's never seen a player like him. I mean. I think if we're going to put all our eggs in one basket, I think you've got to go for DK because I think he's from what I, from what just from talking to people, he's he's too good for the for the championship. He is a, he is without doubt a Premier League striker. I think he, he's he's young. I want to say he's twenty two, but I could be wrong. Let's have a quick look. Do 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 do. Twenty one. He's twenty one. Um, this kid's got a massive future. So look, we're talking for Daryl DK. We're talking massive loan fee. Um, and we're talking permanent move if Albion get up to the Premier League, which, to be honest, I think the permanent move if Albion get up to the Premier League is a blessing. Because if you sign Daryl DK for 15 million upon promotion, then I think there's a real chance you're selling him for 30 million, 35 million two years later. These are the players you want to be buying. Hot prospects, 21 years old, bright future. His whole career is in front of him. Like, I think it's exactly the type of player you want to be signing. But, He's going to cost a lot of money, and he's going to cost a lot of money for a loan. This is the issue with, from what we understand, this. I mean, I think we're talking a couple of million pounds, really, for for the loan. Um, I think Barnsley paid something in that region last season. That's Barnsley. I mean, it's an, it's an awful lot of money they want for the loan. So, will Album be able to negotiate that deal? I don't know at this moment in time. I think they they'd love to. Um, but can they get it done? I, I genuinely do not know. Look, of course there's going to be a shortlist. Like we, we, 
Albion, Albion have to sign a striker next month. Have to. If they can't get a deal, they can't just go, oh, well, if we can't get DK, we'll just plough on. Because if they just plough on, then there's a real chance they end up in the playoffs. Yeah. Um, so there's going to be a short list. Of course, there is. The name's kicking around. Corley Woodrow, understandable name. Scored a lot of goals for Ishmael at Barnsley last season. He struggled this year. I think he's only got four. Um, but that said, Barnsley have really struggled this year. Um, he's a good player. Um He's a, he's a good, good player. And I think most important now, he, he, he's better than what we've got, isn't he? Um, so I think, would you take him? Yes, because he's better than what, what you've got. Long term, I don't know. I don't know an awful lot about Corley Woodrow, other than to say I think he's better than what we've got. So he's one that's been linked fours. Began his career at Albion, was let go, picked up by Brentford B, did really, really well for them, got progressed into the first team, scored something like, scored a fair few goals for Brentford last season as they won promotion to the Premier League. Was quite a big player for them. You'd imagine all the issue we've got, and that everyone's got at this at this state at this time of the year. Well, all journalists have got at this stage of the year is it's not the hardest thing in the world to get names. Like there's a couple of names going around that I've heard, and we might be doing stories on, but. If they're seventh on the shortlist, does it really like? Obviously, we've got a duty to report them, and we will. But you, you, you hear names, you just don't know where they are in Ishmael's pecking order. Everyone who's got any common sense knows there's a shortlist, and that Ishmael will have a long list of targets. But where they are on that list is kind of in his head, really. It's not. Um, so look, Woodrow's one of them. Fours is one of them. I can't remember. Dwight Gale's been linked, but I don't think it's anything in Dwight Gale personally. Um, I can't remember who else. I mean, it's just strikers all the time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, look, that's where we stand on it at this moment in time. Getting deals, is trying to get things done. I just think Ishmael has said he wants one early. Um, yeah, just hopefully it will be done early. And I think I just think he knows what he's doing, and he, he he's got his plan in place. Yeah, I think. Well, I think what you see a lot of these days, certainly in the January window, inflated, inflated prices because everyone needs players if they're struggling or they want to, or they're where Albion are, where they want to get to that next level at the top of the table. And clubs seem to hang on right to the very end, don't they, to get a, to get a good deal, the selling club. So, you know, it's probably more difficult nowadays to, to get a deal done early. So I suppose Albion are going to have to stump up the cash to get an early deal done and to reap the benefits of that as early in January as possible, I suppose. I mean, deals are always cheaper at the end of the window than at the start. That's, that, that literally is why there's a deadline day. Um, that's why we have so much carnage in the last 24, 48 hours, because everyone blinks. And you could see it, you could see it in the DK situation, for example. Let's say DK want £2 million for a loan fee, and Albion are willing to pay £1.2 million. I'm, I'm making these numbers up. But on, on January the 30th, if no one else is in for DK, then... And they want to get him out on loan. Suddenly, that one point two million, if they can bump it up to one point four or something, is looking. They need it. Whereas at the start of the month, they're willing to wait a little bit longer. Yeah. Personally, though, I think Albion are in a predicament in the sense that everyone knows they need a striker. They've got half of January. If we're going to let them have the Cardiff game without a striker, yeah, Cardiff game, we're going to just bypass the Brighton FA Cup game. But they need. They've, everyone knows we need one, so that's only going to strengthen the hand of the teams that are, are selling, really. Yeah. Um, but 
Ishmael seems confident. He's gone on record to say he wants one early. Lies come over from China. We've <laughs> just got to see what happens. Um, but, yeah, fingers crossed it's done early. Fingers crossed. Hopefully uh, Ishmael's confidence uh, comes to comes to fruition. Just moving uh, a little bit back in the uh, on the pitch. Yesterday, you know, Albion fans were getting quite excited about some links in the, in the Spanish press um, about, OK, Yacuslu wanted to come back to, to West Brom. His, uh, his game time has been limited back at Celta Vigo. He had, he had a good... I know Albion got relegated last season, but he was one of the, the standout performers in that second half. Any any substance in that, Joe, that you, that you understand? Is, is, is Yacuslu coming back or does he want to come back? Okay, so the gods and his truth is I've made zero calls on Yacuslu. Um, so I know nothing other than what's on Twitter. I will make calls on him. Um, but if he if he was to, if, that'd be a, that'd be a huge sign for Albion if he if he was to come back given it, given the uh, impact he made under Allardyce. Yeah, I mean I'd be very surprised. I mean, look, how much is Yakuzlu going to cost? First and foremost, to me, he's definitely he's definitely like a six million pound player. I'd say he's it, look. I think he's top draw. I, I'm amazed he didn't um, secure a move in the summer. I know that I know that his agent has been touting him around a lot of clubs in England. As he off, they were all in, from what I understand, they were in the Premier League. Um, he didn't manage to secure that Premier League move. Amazingly, he's just not doesn't feature at all for Salta Vigo really, um, at all. It appears that he is just a lot more suited to English football than Spanish football. But I mean, he re- I mean, he was our best player really um, after he yeah. came in. Yeah. It was him, Pereira, and Johnston. Um, so look, he's going to be a six million pound, five million pound player, I think. I don't think that's the area, personally, Albion are going to be looking to spend that kind of money. Well, I don't, I don't even know if they can spend, like, I don't think they've got that kind of money, really. Does he really want to be in the Championship? I don't think he does, to be honest. Um, I think he wants a Premier League move. Um, he is clearly desperate to get out of South of Ego. Um, but, to me, I will, I, look, I will make calls on it, I will. Um, but, I, I does anyone really expect OK Yacuzlu to come back to Albion this, in this window? If no one would have seen it or the, the links this week, like you say, I don't think anyone would have uh, thought anything of it. In terms of a midfielder, though, you know, we know that Robert Snodgrass is is out on a limb or injured or whatever. You know, the, the reasoning is, you know, are Albion going to bring it? Can you see Albion bringing in a, midfield, a midfielder sort of reinforcements in January? Potentially, um, potentially. But the, the vibe I get from the club is... It's literally all hands on deck for a striker. Yeah. I think if Ishmael got his striker in for that QPR game, then I think they'll start to turn their attentions to other areas. And but I think they're gonna every, if they need to spend it, like they're gonna the, the striker's the priority, and everyone knows that. Yeah, yeah, and that's you know that's what we're all hoping for. That that's that's the Christmas present and the a midfielder. Yukushlu might be a nice stocking filler. You know? He'd be a lovely stocking filler, mate. You never know. You need a big stock, and he's a big guy. Um, but uh, but yeah, we're well, moving on from that. You know that, that that's the striker situation. Hopefully, um, we can bring you some more news in the coming weeks. So we'll get a questions now. We've had an awful lot of questions straight off the bat. We had one about food, which I know Joe was absolutely seething about. Seething um, for my mate Ronnie. That yeah, happened. for your for your mate Ronnie. But we'll uh, we'll go through that. A lot on Lai, a lot on Barnsley, and a lot on transfers, which we've all talked about. But a few different perspectives, a few uh, a few good questions. Um, one from from Dave Neil here at Baggy Dave Seventy. Uh, thanks very much for getting in touch. Do you believe Albion need to sign more than one striker in January? Woodrow decent, uh, but not prolific. If you take away his penalties, if Hugel returns to Norwich and Zahor is loaned out, it may give us more funds to do this. Can you see Albion going going uh, the full hog and bringing in two strikers instead of one, Joe? Or yeah, like you said, is it all? 
all hands to the pump for just the one. I think that we'd all love to, wouldn't we? Let's be honest, we'd all love to. Um, I think it's all hands. Personally, I think it's all hands on deck for one as things stands. And obviously, hopefully, that will be that player will be a, a real significant addition. A player that, who will really, really make the difference. I'm not saying they'll be our Mitrovic or Solanke because that's a hell of an ask. Um, but someone who can certainly you'd look, you'd like to think they've scored 22 goals and 17 goals in half a season. Someone who can maybe get 12, 10 to 12 goals. Someone who can really make it. I mean, Daryl DK certainly would. Um, so I think it's about finding that real bit of quality to, to make the difference at this moment in time. Do I think we need to? Look, yeah, if I'm honest, like, if it's player, if our new magical number nine gets injured or suspended, then suddenly we're back to square one, aren't we? So yeah. then we do need someone else. But I just don't know if, I just don't, you just don't know what the funds are going to allow, really. And I think at the moment in time, it's all that, it's all ends on deck for one. Hugo Zahor, um, in terms of, yeah, look, it's a bit, I, everyone knows I love Football Manager, but the way that's been written is a bit Football Manager-esque, really. So Jordan Hugel has been linked reportedly. Apparently, there's reports in the Sun, basically, that Norwich are considering recalling him. Basically, so they can send out another player on loan. I can't remember who that player is, some young kid they've got. They want to get some game time. Ishmael was asked about Hugel at a press conference 10 or so days ago. He said he's had no contact with Norwich about him. Um... And as far as he's concerned, Hugel's stand for the season. Has Jordan Hugel done anything to make you think he can go and play in the Premier League from January onwards? I would argue no. Probably not. Is he a Dean Smith striker? I don't think he is. Um, he's just not. He's just. I covered Walsall when Dean Smith was there for, and he never played with a target man. Never. Ever. He just never played with a target man, and so I just can't see. I just can't see how Hugo fits in at Norwich under Dean Smith, to be honest. So, look, if he get it, look, I think we all think it'd be a bit of a bonus if Jordan Hugo did get recalled. That is immensely harsh on Jordan Hugo. He is a human being. At the end of the day, he has he has tried really, really hard um, in his time at the Albion, most notably in that game against Reading when he was genuinely unwell, but really put in a shift. So, look, I don't want to knock the guy. I really don't. But look, he hasn't got the goals. He's got one goal. He should have seven, I think, easily. Um, but he's got one. Um, will he go back? I just don't know. I, I, is he, is he, I, don't know. I just don't know how easy that would be. Zahor, again. The question I'd ask back is, if I magically put you in charge now of a Premier League club or a Championship club, are you signing Kenneth Sahore? Um, <clears throat> I just don't know who is. How do you offload him? Like, yeah. like on the wages he's on, and he's on good wages, he's on good wages. Um, if, if, I, if, you were, if you were the manager of that club, would you bring in Ken Sahore or would you back yourself to find better elsewhere? Because I would back myself to find better elsewhere, to be honest. Um, so look, I mean, look, Albion would. I'm sure, absolutely, Albion would love to send Kenneth Sorry out on loan. I don't think, but I mean, but easier said than done. It really is. Yeah, like you said, it's easier playing football manager than being an actual charge of a, of a football club. We have got another question here, Ronnie. This is not the food question, although just for for Ronnie's benefit, my pre-match meal would be whatever the club gives me for free at the grind I'm at. 
so I'm a bit tight like that. Uh, might bring a little snack to go along as well too. Um, oh, but uh, put, what, what's your opinions on Albion scouting network at the moment? Should we be concerned that the two striker targets are players that Val had at Barnsley? You know, valid question really. That you know, we went back for Mauer in the summer, and now he's going back for for two others. Um, what's your opinion on that, Joe? So. Yeah, look, it's only reported. It's only reports he's gone back for Corley Ward, Joe. I've not had that confirmed, so I'm not like it's just a link as far as I'm concerned. Mowit, in terms of look, Mowit was a no-brainer. Like he had to sign Alex Mowit. He was he was the he was the free agent to get this summer. I mean, and I think he's fully justified his his arrival. Really, I mean, I think he's I think he's a really really good player. Um, there is, the, but there is a massive concern about Albion's recruitment. I think in terms of obviously they haven't got a director of football. I think Lou Dowling did know the, the English market. I think Slaven Bilic knew the foreign market, and I think together that obviously led to some decent deals being done. Um, most notably Pereira, of course, um, and players who got Albion over the line. I mean, everyone's got their opinions on the likes of Sawyer's. Um, uh, who else? Charlie Austin, players like that. Um, but Albion did get promoted, so they did get the job done. Really, um, that window. Um, Ian Pearce. Whenever, where I mean, I've said this about Gaucho and Lie, but Ian Pearce, the head of recruitment, literally wherever, whenever you want, I will meet you for a coffee and to do some stories. Just name the place, name the time. I'm not th- wouldn't be thrilled about doing it on Christmas Day, um, but any other day of the year. If you want to chat, mate, the press officer has got my number. Give me a ring. I just don't know what he does. Mrs. Massey going to put a, a spare seat out at the dinner table for yeah, Christmas. I'd rather yeah. not. I'd rather not. That was our first <laughs> meeting. But um, I just don't know what he does. I just do not know what he does. Um, and I think it's about time he explained what he did, to be honest. I just don't get it. Yeah. Um, I just do not get it. Yeah. The issue with recruitment, another issue with recruitment is. It doesn't feel like Albion can pluck a gen. The, the guy I always bang on about, and it's just it is one example, so you don't want to go crazy on it. But it's the guy at um, Swansea, Joel Piore, um, signed for for one point two million pounds from PSV, um, smashed him in for Swansea this season. Um, it doesn't feel like Albion would sign that player. It just doesn't feel like the scouting network's there to, to sign it. Now, I think Ishmael could be the trump card in this. Obviously, he knows the German league. He knows the Austrian league really well. Um, but he was asked at a press conference recently, Do you, are you going to use that knowledge? Um, for the, for like, and he said, yes, but not for the January window. And he said the reason why is because obviously in January, you literally need players to hit the ground running. Um, they're immediately thrown in the team. They've immediately got to make a difference. There is no time to adapt, A, to English football, and B, to the demands of what Ishmael wants. So I think it's fair to say that the only arrival from abroad in January potentially is Daryl DK. Yeah. Everyone else, he wants to have experience of English football, experience of championship football. Um, <clears throat> so look, I think going forward, maybe in the summer, we will see one or two clever little additions from like maybe Austria or Germany, which will be Ishmael signings. But that is all on Ishmael. Yeah. Um, just like Pereira and Kravinovic and was there another one? Was all on Bilic. Like we need, it does feel like, it does feel like the, the scouting thing isn't in place at Albion. Yeah. Um, I think, I think the Albion fans see, you know, 
we've gone on a lot about recruitment over the season, probably because you know ten years ago we had Dan Ashworth, who was just plucking gems out of his back pocket, yeah. for cheap and selling them on, or if not selling them on, they go on to play two hundred games. Um, I think some fans still expect that, which is which which you can understand, but obviously the the infrastructure is not there. That brings me quite nicely onto the next question. Really, um, you mentioned Luke Dowler there. Um, this is from. Uh, Joe the RVWBA93 uh, thanks for your question with Lai wanted to integrate back into the club um, and understands he cannot sell until the club is back in the Premier League does this mean he'll be looking to get someone to replace LD I'm guessing he means Luke Dalen to give the club a better chance of getting back to the Premier League that's quite a valid point really just uh, rolling on from, from your what you mentioned just there Joe yeah well when Luke Dalen left and following the appointment of Ishmael there was sort of I think the club sort of they haven't they basically said they were in no rush. I didn't, they confirmed that they weren't going to move away from the technical director model. They didn't say that they were like abandoning that, but they also didn't. Um, they also said they would sort of take their time and how they wanted to progress forward. So, um, yeah, there's. I mean, look, we have, we've. I don't. It's, it's very very odd. I mean, every, I mean Ron Gourlay seems to have a, a growing influence at Albion. Um, this is the guy who was at Chelsea. Was he, he did a smashing job at Chelsea, to be fair to him, but um, did a disastrous one at Reading. He was in those when Gouch and Light turned up at the training ground the other day. He was very, he was well front and center, really, of those pictures. He was heavily involved at Barnsley. Um, the only two people I think represented in the director's box for Albion were Ron Gourlay. Oh, three: John Homer, Albion legend. Ron Gourlay and Ken um, were the only three people in the in the board in the in the director's box from. So Ron Gourlay's grown in influence, really. Um, again, another person I'd love to speak to. I'll throw out the Ian Pierce line anytime, anywhere by Christmas Day. I'd happily speak to Ron Gourlay. Um, but all these things need to be clarified, really, because he. We're told that Ron Gourlay is a consultant. We're not against having consultants. Ken is vastly inexperienced at the end of the day. So I don't think it's a bad thing he's seeking advice from people. Um, but it would appear he is now more of a consult than a consultant. So what is the situation there? I mean, that's a very good question and one I'm going to have to look into. Um, yeah. I'd... Yeah, I think there's a... I feel a pod coming on there. Me, you, Ron Gourlay. And Ian Pierce. Oh, uh, mate, Ian Pierce. Look, come on. I've been a bit critical of you. Look, I have. There's no doubt about it. Come on the you, pod. You and him can square it out in a car come park beforehand. I mean, and he then looks hard as nails. After. To be fair, I wouldn't find some chances. But come on the pod, mate. Come on the pod. Come on the pod and tell us what you do and tell there us you who go. you signed. Open, uh, open invitation. Next one from Lee Sanders. Uh, is it? I love this question. Is it time to coax Robert Earnshaw out of retirement yet? Lee Sanders, now, Rod- formerly of this parish. I wonder if he uh, listens to this podcast. He's a Cardiff fan. Yeah, he, he, it's good. Good question. Maybe that's the Cardiff link with Earnshaw. I know Earnshaw's now uh, assistant manager to Richard Chaplow, Orange County in America. He was appointed this week. Oh, good uh, knowledge, form, mate. Former baggy. Yeah, seen that yesterday. But yeah, Didn't get that with Luke. Robert Earnshaw, prime Robert Earnshaw, would fire Albion back to the Premier League right now. Of course he would. Yeah. But um, but yeah, a bit a uh, bit too old now. But uh, but yeah, just just staying on the on the lie point. Obviously, fans are very interested in this. Find it. Uh, this is from sorry, Richard Downing. Uh, thanks for your question, Richard. Find it disappointing from the visit from Goch and Lie that there was no interview via an interpreter to the supporters. The media were fed small bits. Um, 
but are we any clearer why he suddenly turned up at the training ground after a three-year absence? It's quite a quite a valid point, really. You know, if he would have spoken to the supporters, it would have, I suppose, um, offered a bit more clarity as to why he was there. Yeah, yeah, completely agree. Look, we're still waiting for interviews of everybody, really, aren't we? We're saying Ron Gourlay, we're saying um, Ian Pierce. Invite Lie as well. There's five of us on the podcast. Lie, anytime, any place, anywhere, yes. mate. Do you know what? Gouch Plus can come for Christmas. Well. He can come yeah. for Christmas Day, Gouch. I'd, have it, I'd, I'd, I'd break the Christmas rule for Lie. There you go. Um, I really would, um, but yeah, uh, valid points again. Yeah, I mean we've covered. I think we've, I think we've basically said everything we can say online in this podcast. But yeah, I, he could have done a small interview, couldn't they, with the club media team? Look, there's no way they were going to invite the me- the actual me- the media down, were they? Like they no. just wouldn't, it wouldn't happen. But in terms of, he could have put out a little bit. But um, yeah, valid point. Valid point. Yeah. Joe, uh, with the next one we've got a little bit of a. Bit of a curveball, bit of a bit of a, not a quiz, but um, Alex Dembski sent this one in. Start one, sub one, sell one. So I'll put these to you: uh, three goalkeepers, three defenders, midfielder, strikers. Uh, goalkeepers: Ben Foster, uh, Sam Johnson, and he's going back a long way with this one. Russell Holt, uh, which is a long time ago, but yeah, Foster and Johnson probably between them two as Premier League goalkeepers. Yeah, what I'm doing: starting one, selling one, subbing one. Subbing one, yeah. Um, yeah, I'll start. Johnston, Sal Foster, bench the other one. Sal Foster, that's a big. Well, just to make money, like you want to make yeah, money. Yeah, well, yeah. So, well, you just got your you got your football manager hat on there, Joe. You know what you're doing. You know what you're doing. What would you do? I don't know. I'd probably keep Foster. Keep Foster, sell Johnson, sub Holt, probably. I don't know. Holt did well at Albion back in the day, but defenders: Higazi, Bartley, Jonas Olsen. Starting at Olsen. Bench in Bartley, flog in Igazi. Igazi, yeah. Yeah, agree with that one. Pereira, Brunt, Jason Kumas, midfielder. Ah, oh, that's, that's real tough. Ah, it's tough. Starting Pereira, bench in Brunt, flog in Kumas. Flog in Kumas, that's awful. Sacrilege, that is. I love Pereira, um, though. Strikers, long, odd and wingy, Rondon. Uh, starting odd and wingy, benching long, selling Rondon. Yeah, and, uh, that's an agreeable one. Tough choices, though. Tough oh, choices. That's an enjoyable little game. Tough choices, yeah, to, just to mix it up. Anyway, uh, back to uh, trans- transfers and lie more than anything else. Oh, no, we still going on about this. Um, is it true lie came over to meet Eric Clapton <laughs> for takeover talks? I, don't, I think there's probably a joke there that goes over my head. I don't know what it is. I- Eric Clapton, Albion fan. I'm guessing. I'm guessing. Is he? I think so, yeah. I'm not sure. I think he's one of the like famous Albion fans along with Lenny Henry. Might be wrong. Hang on, my friend's going mad. Yeah, but uh, yeah, we'll put that put that one to bed straight away. Um, uh, Ronnie's back again. Um, <laughs> just down the bottom. Bo- Ronnie's busy today. He's really slow, slow news day for Ronnie. Um, surely VI cannot keep biting his nose off despite his face by picking Hugel and Livermore. Um, your advocates of, of Livermore is, is that is that a bit harsh? Do you think? Well, he won't pick Hugel when he's got another striker in, will he? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's it's the truth of it. And yeah, I think I think people uh, are meant uh, are harsh on Livermore. Look, I think I like the eggs, the legs, and the energy that Malumbi brings. I've got to be honest, but. I think people are forgetting that Livermore's had some good games this season. So he plays an important role. His positioning off the ball's important. 
Um, and he's just, a, people don't like me saying this, but he's just a good egg. Like, he is a good egg. Yeah. Um, he's just what you want in the dressing room. He's so team first. Like, he wouldn't, he always puts a team ahead of it. Like, he's just, he's just, a, I think he is, I think people need to accept that there's, like, you've got to have leaders, you've got to have characters, you've got to have, like, ultimate professionals. And Jake Livermore is one of those people. He is, he is, he is someone you can, like, rely on really I mean bar his red cards um, but, he, but, he's, but he is uh, I think you're, you're missing his you're missing his character and his leadership I think that's important yeah fantastic range of questions uh, we'll bring it to an end as we're uh, already an hour in and we need to look ahead to the, the festive period briefly but I'm just going to say hats off to Ronnie he's been busy today three questions he's my uh, he's my fan of the week oh he's fan of the week Johnny Drury's fan of the week new Johnny segment fan of the week. yeah yeah fan of, well just you know, if if you can if you can go over three or more questions that I will actually read out, then you know you're in you're in fan of the week territory. But anyway, just uh, just finally, you know, we'll wrap up looking towards a festive period. Um, one away at Derby, who are who are down the bottom, two at home. Um, should Al, Al, Albion really be nine points from these three games, Joe? Yeah, you'd like to think so. You would like to think so. I mean, it is going to be. The Derby game, let's just, if we take things one game at a time, I think you have to take things one game at a time. I'd be absolutely mortified, I said this last week, if Derby took more points off us this season. Um, I mean, they're relegated, aren't they? I mean, obviously they've had massive points deduction, that's a big reason why they're relegated. Um, but I don't think Wayne Rooney's doing an okay job there, really, like, yeah. given, given the situation they're in. But I mean, they have got such a mishmash of a squad. It's just incredible, really. Um, I mean, according to the data, Curtis Davis is their best player this season. Phil Jagielka, 39. Their centre-half pairing at the Hawthorns for the return fix. I was there. It was a frustrating night, but just I wanted to tip me out to Jagielka and Davis. Combined age of about 80. Just tearing it up. Yeah, they did well, but I mean, they are old, bless them. I mean, Rafael Morrison, like... <sighs> It's a miss. It's a mismatch of players, it obviously is. based on like, the financial situation at the club. Yeah, so they're rock bottom. They've got four points. Obviously, they've got more than four points, but based on the points deductions, they've got four points. I mean, Kelly Roos had an absolute stormer at, at um, the Hawthorns, the goalie. But that these have got to be. They're bottom of the table at the end. Of the, they've got you. Got to beat them. You got to beat them. You got to beat them. Um, are, you, are you sticking anyone back in there? You know, Gardner Hickman, you know, we've seen managers maybe just rest young players who've had a th three or four good games just to not over overburn them. Do you expect him to come back in? You know, he's been rested for, for Barnsley. I think, it, look, it's hard to know what Ishmael's thinking, really, because it is, it is, it is all, it's just, it, it's literally down to one person's opinion, isn't it, at the end of the day? Because I think the vast majority of people would have Gardner Hickman in the team now. Um, I still think... It's weird how how sort of strong the criticism is, really. It's like the criticism Livermore gets. I mean, I think it it's a bit disrespectful, really, and it's kind of a bit disrespectful towards Furlong as well because he's a, he's a decent player. But I think I think Gordon Hickman's done enough to start personally. Um, I give him a go, and I would give Malumbi a go as well. Um, I gotta be honest, I don't know what to do up front. I genuinely don't know what you do. Um, Stick them all in a hat and just pick pick an A, mate. Because I just don't think 
bless him, I just don't think Hugel is going to score. I just don't see him. Like, he might score, but you've just got absolutely no confidence of him on the pitch that he will score. Just him I'm talking about. And his confidence is probably lower than a snake's belly at the moment. I think one so. At, the one at Barnsley, if he's if he's on a hot streak, he bangs that in, doesn't he, I suppose. But... Um, and I just, but I don't think anything else works either. I just, I don't think Robinson through the middle works. I don't think um, Phillips through the middle works. I'm not, I, I, you could maybe make a case of playing Grant through the middle, but do you really want to take him off the left? Like his nine goals this season have been absolutely huge for us. Like we don't, we don't want to lose that. Um, so. Hugo works hard. He is a focal point. Do you, I think you might have to persist in him. I, I just not... I just... Yeah. What can you say? I mean, what can you say other than... You, you, we've had 23 games now and you haven't got faith in any of them, really, in that central mid, central striker role. So whatever Ishmael picks and he's going to pick, as far as I'm concerned, they just need to start taking chances. It's just... Ridiculous, but yeah, look, they're the talk. The talking points are Malumbi and Gardner Hickman, and I'd I'd go for them both. Yeah, well, hopefully we'll have uh, three points on Boxing Day, and then three points in the games that will follow. But yeah, that's the uh, the the baggage broadcast for today. The last one before the the festive period. Um, finally, Joe, what does uh, what does Christmas Day look like in the Massey household? Um, just very traditional family day, mate. Uh, yeah. Mother-in-law, father-in-law, lots of presents. My little, my kids will be ridiculously spoiled. Um, massive dinner, yeah. Very, very what you'd expect, really. What about in the Drury household? Exactly the same. I don't, I don't drink on Christmas Day, so I can eat as much as possible. So I'll be, yeah, all over it. And we go in-laws, my parents. So like dinner in the day, double buffet at night. <laughs> And then I'll just be bringing plenty of turkey butties to 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 the the Boxing Day and the and the, on the twenty seventh. So I'll I'll just bring loads of leftovers to Derby, mate. I'll have I'll have it sorted. I can't believe we've managed to end this podcast on food. <laughs> can't believe it. The, the, the ghost of Hatfield yeah. <laughs> returns at the end. Can't um, get away from him. But there we go. Last uh, last baggies broadcast before Christmas. So all you baggies fans, I hope you've enjoyed today's episode. Um, I hope you have a great Christmas. Um, hopefully we'll see you. We'll see you at Derby or um, Cardiff and Preston. Um, and we we might bring you a bonus episode over Christmas. We'll see how things go. Christmas is mental in journalism and in football, as Joe will vouch for. Um, so whether we've got enough time, we'll have to have to wait and see. But uh, thanks for listening today. For for all the Albion news over over the festive period, you know where to go. expressandstar.com uh, So um, from my first episode, it's a farewell for me um, and farewell from Joe. See you soon. I'll just say, give Johnny some love on Twitter. Hasn't he done a smashing job today? And yeah, Merry Christmas to everyone. Fingers crossed. Three points at Derby. Kind words. All the best. Have a great Christmas, and we'll see you soon. Goodbye. <laughs>